Ooh, I like baseball. It's the Roller Multi Barrel Vintage Baseball Podcast coming to you from Coast to Coast Border to Border, talking to vintage baseball players as we do. Uh, and has, as we've done for over four years now. Uh, wow, who would have thought this little thing that started in my basement, that's still in my basement, that hasn't grown at all, would still exist? I know, it's kooky. Uh, but tonight we get to travel to one of my favorite areas to talk vintage baseball. Uh, New York never has to worry about me ignoring them. And we uh, have a, a treat tonight as we get to talk about a newer vintage club that was an older vintage club that I don't even know if they were old, old vintage. We're going to find out about the entire history of the Kingston Guards, which I know nothing about. Well, that's not true. I just kind of said I kind of did. Welcome, Jeff Kozlowski, Cougar. Hi, Jeff. Hey, good to be back. Good to see you still in the basement. What I've you- at least moved. I've moved myself up to the uh, to the office, which is more or less the like the the harbor of misfit everything's in my house. But was that a promotion for the show? Did you promote the show uh, from wherever it was you were doing the show from? Is it now in a more executive situation? Well, I have I have four walls now. It was in our dining room, uh, but I, I got I got too tired of uh, of like every so often I'd have to mute the microphone because every every hour little while I'd hear, "Daddy, let me show you my cartwheels." Daddy, are you still talking about the baseball game? Child, so now I've got a door. So, Jeff, uh, I'm going to ask you the question we're all dying to hear the answer to before we bring in our guests. Uh, rate the cartwheels. Oh, God. So she actually makes me do this, too. Give, bear in mind, my daughter is, is surprisingly good at, at cartwheels. Um, but, yeah, she, uh, she, she's, she's a solid little gymnast there. I, I give her all the credit. She loves doing them, too. That's great dad speak. I want a score one to 10. I want, and I don't want, do not score with emotion. I want a real score. She's not going to hear this. She's not there. Right. That's true. So, uh, (laughs) you know, in, in all truth, you know, she, she keeps her back straight. Uh, you know, her, she's got good core strength, a good core posture. I give her a nine, not a 10 because she doesn't finish right. She, she's got a, she has to, she doesn't present at the end and we tell her all the time and kids today, they just don't listen. So. There's no way you can give that child a nine. If you say the finish isn't correct, the finish is everything. Jeff, your scoring method is appalling to me coming into the it's room, not. right? <laughs> coming into the room <laughs> from New York. It's a couple of gentlemen from the Kingston guards. We have Taylor Brooke otherwise known as Scooch, over on the couch. And we have Drew Dutch Vreeland, uh, otherwise known as Put Your Finger in the Dike, little boy. I don't know. We didn't discuss. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming on to the show. Anytime. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. 
Uh, you guys can agree that the in gymnastics, the finish is everything, right? If there's no good if you finish, don't gotta the stick landing. the landing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. She, she sticks the landing. Oh. It's the presentation at the end. That's the problem I have. <laughs> uh, hence the nine, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, it sounds like a 7-5 situation to me at best. So it looks like we're adding 1.5 daddy score. Okay. Uh, Taylor Brooke, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? You sure are. That's because I'm a professional, and I didn't ask you ahead of time, so uh, I'm glad I didn't embarrass myself. Taylor, are you the captain of the Kingston Guards? I am. So far, so good. How am I doing? Yes. Okay. Taylor, from what I understand about the Kingston Guards is you guys have started back up uh, a club that already existed a few years ago, a handful of years ago, so there was a start, stop, start back up. Uh, tell us about the history of the reincarnation of the Kingston Guards. So my understanding is that there was a team that I think only played one game, maybe probably close to 10 years ago now. Um, they might have played two, but it, it wasn't it wasn't consistent. Um, and it was a bunch of guys from a local brewery, uh, Keegan's, and they're a group of softball guys. They, they played one game that I know of, and then they never did it again. So when, when we started the team back up, this will be our third year. So three years ago when we started it back up, we reached out to those guys for some tips and so on. Um, but none of the original players um, had the time to join. So it almost sounds like we stole a team. But it didn't. It didn't officially exist at the time. So, for all intents and purposes, we're a, we're a new team. So, and I don't even know if there is. I don't know if they even had a name. Okay, so you can't. Okay, for legal purposes out there in the world, and uh, Jeff Jeff Kozlowski might be able to help me on this. I don't. I think anybody can steal any vintage baseball club except except for a very short number of people who have uh, registered or are with a business. I, I believe if you're uh, with a business like the Greenfield Village La-di-da's, like nobody could steal that or there'd be paperwork sent your way. But say the, I don't know, the Lumber City club from Flint, Michigan, uh, I'm pretty sure anybody could come along and steal that. I'm not saying they, I just use that as an example, but you can't really do anything about it. Nobody owns anything. So, so somebody could come along and actually start another club called the Kingston guards. Uh, and you guys couldn't do anything about it. Now, I'm just talking legally speak. Well, we, we are legit now. We're part of the vintage baseball association and have sponsors and, a bank account through a local rotary club and so on. So it, it would be more of a task. We, we certainly have a, an infrastructure now that didn't exist before. And um, thankfully it's been successful. So is yeah, I think this... once you register in with the VBBA, I think you're in, you're in good shape there. Or if you're a registered 501 C3 nonprofit. Yes. Once you're the nonprofit, I believe is, is what would uh, classify you. You've made as... it. You've made it. I don't think of just 
having a relationship with a VBBA and getting a felt pendant, I don't, I don't think that makes you uh, legit. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, don't, we, don't tell the VBBA that. Don't this, tell the VBBA. I, the arbiter I'm, of legitness. I'm only speaking legalese. I watch Suits on Netflix. I know things. Listen, to, con- <laughs> to continue angelfish talk, what kind of angelfish you got in your tank, Taylor? Mm. That's Dutch's angelfish. I got no fish. Oh, that's that's it's, uh that's my yes. wheelhouse there. Um it's a it's a common angelfish. Started off about quarter size and now I'd say it's a little bit bigger than a average man's palm. And uh like I said, he was kind of a hand me down because he was a bit of a troublemaker in his old tank, so I had to rehome him and uh now he's he's where he belongs. Uh, Drew, yeah, sorry, I had you mixed up with Taylor there. Uh, Drew with the angelfish. Jeff is uh, has acquired great knowledge passed on from generation to generation about nah. angelfish. Nah. And I want Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> I want you to ask Drew a question about angelfish that only people who we're doing, know we're angelfish doing would talk. know. Yes, oh. official angelfish talk. Talk angelfish right now for 30 seconds, Jeff, go. All right, so the... Uh, so the, the basic question is like, well, you mentioned, but where does the angelfish come from? Is it from a breeder? Do you get it from a private private person or do you get it from a pet store? I got it from a local fish store. Okay. Okay. So I don't think, I know, any, I, don't think I know any breeders of angelfish personally. 15 seconds yeah, to go. Keep, keep going. That, if, Tell I, me if, about are, if I know any angelfish breeders, they're keeping that well to themselves. <laughs> um. What kind of what kind of landscaping do you got in there? Are you a gravel guy? Are you a sand guy? Uh, gravel guy, I like to go natural colors, earth tones. Don't never go to that neon garbage. Uh, I think that looks silly in just about any environment. Time uh, you towards a natural. Oh, we have a, we have a call there, man. I was time. Uh, you you saved the best question for the end, Jeff. Uh, you should have let off with that one. You had a lot of you had a lot to talk about on that one. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, Drew, we're going to get back to you about baseball right here in a second. But, Taylor, I want to know how you came across vintage baseball and, and what made you dedicate your time, your effort into starting this program up. You know, it was really the, the Delaware County guys. So there's a, there's a huge vintage baseball scene in the county right next to us, um, to the west, which is Delaware County. They've got the Bovina Dairymen. Uh, the Mountain Athletic Club, the Delhi Polecats. So we, we started seeing them playing games kind of all around the Hudson Valley. And uh, I'm the city of Kingston historian as well. So I've always had an interest in history. My my grandfather was a pitcher. He was uh, drafted by the Yankees, grew up playing baseball and thought, um, what a cool mix of sports and history. You don't see this really with other sports. No one's playing vintage basketball or football um, and we've got such a great baseball history in Kingston that I, we got in touch with the, the Delaware County guys. They told us what we needed to do to get started. Um, they, they really kind of been a huge, huge help for uh, uh, not just us, but the Saugerties vintage baseball team as well that started last year. Um, they've been able to answer any questions we've had and um, – yeah, the hard part is getting the guys to show up. The, the the idea exists. Luckily, there's people that make the equipment. We've got fields to play in. And so we just said, why not? Let's give it a shot. You guys. Let's get into recruitment. 
Oh, sorry, God. sorry, man. Well, I, I would just I'm like still, to say I'm, I'm still trying to work the co-hosting thing. I no, that's I all right. Like I was just sorry, I was man. just going to. So Jeff, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to comment on his answer. And then we're going to move over to Drew okay, and ask him it. a baseball question. And then it's going to be your turn. You wait your damn turn. That is my turn. You got to talk okay. so much last week. Okay. I, I'm super psyched <laughs> about angel fish, and now I'm warm and ready. <laughs> so, all right, all right. I'm, so, Taylor, be... you're talking about the clubs uh, in Delaware, the Delaware County uh, Association, whatever it's called. Uh, Colin Miller. You are familiar with Colin. Uh, I believe any club that comes in contact with Colin uh, is already ahead of the game. Uh, when you have him on your side, uh, you are farther ahead than most clubs that try to start up. So uh, what an incredible person, gentleman, ball player, resource uh, Colin is. And uh, so you guys definitely have this umbrella of goodness over you uh, that you probably enjoy very much. Drew, uh, please tell everybody how you came across finish baseball and, uh, and being part of Kingston. I'd be happy to, um, I don't want to put the cart before the horse there, but I know you mentioned recruitment and I've heard a couple of episodes of your show before, and I know your suggested policy on recruitment. And if that's something that you want to talk about a little later, I'd just like to say I support it 100%, and I would like to try it out myself. Uh, but the way I came into this whole organization was through Taylor. We have a uh, pretty significant overlap in our circle of friends and acquaintances here in Kingston. It's uh, kind of a small town vibe, and when I found out that this was happening, I knew it was immediately something that I had to be a part of. Uh, it sounded like a lot of fun. Um, Coincidentally, my grandfather was also a pitcher drafted by the Washington Senators in the 50s. So uh, Taylor and I both come from a, from a line of, of baseballers. And uh, we've got a good group of guys that uh, really enjoy what they do. And they like to show up and have a good time. As you said, the other, associate, the other teams in the association, the Delaware guys, uh, they've been great shepherding us into this whole thing. Um, Definitely, you know, Andrew and Delhi and the guys on the Mac and uh, Bovina. And we have a good time, nice, friendly rivalry with Saugerties, too. Uh, so it's it's really a great way, I think, to bring the town together. People really enjoy themselves to spectate the games. And it's a good way to involve myself in the community. Yeah, Drew, you brought up recruitment here, and we're going to – this is uh, something odd that's about to happen is uh, Jeff Kozlowski is about to ask you guys about recruitment, and we're going to have this discussion about recruitment. But Jeff and I have never had a discussion about recruitment, so I have no idea what his, uh, his take on this is, what his ideas are. And uh, so this will be interesting for all of us. Jeff, take it away. All right, so – I mean, it's a, it's a theme that I know comes up on the show quite a bit, even before uh, I have this, you know, luxurious title of co-host of, of like, you know, how do you, it's not just how you get the players for that one time, but how do you keep them uh, coming back here? So let's start with how, how do you get them there? Okay. How do you get potential players uh, to your home field? Yeah, we we actually took a unique tack that 
in the first year was tough. So um, really early on, word of mouth, we, we asked friends of ours to ask friends of theirs and so on. And what happened with my title as historian and my, my day job, I worked for the county clerk's office. I was the archivist at the time. So um, I knew a lot of history people. And we got a number of people that were interested just because of history. And it was great. We were able to field a team, but we got squashed by every team we played because um, they've got baseball players on their team and we had history people. So in order to get some baseball people, um, we, we made some flyers, posted some flyers up. We've had success like collaborating, contacting with our local softball teams. Um, we've got a really good like softball community here in Ulster County. And we, we got a few guys the first year from the, the softball ranks and told them to kind of circulate um, flyers and info about the team. We, we reached out to a number of our local like service organizations like Rotary Club, Kiwanis Club, so on, um, to just like introduce the team to them at their monthly breakfast meetings or um, something like that. So we, we did a lot of kind of public speaking engagements the first year or two. Uh, just to introduce ourselves to the community, we, we gave a talk at like the regional chamber of commerce to try to get business people involved uh, for sponsorships, and they brought in some more players, folks that worked with them, or so on. Um, so we're still kind of trying to figure it out. This this year, we had like a nice ad made up and did some uh, targeted advertising through Facebook that has been very successful. We'll, we'll see how many people stick around, but we've got about twenty new guys interested that um, we're having a nice. zoom call on Thursday to tell them the rules, but you, um, how to keep them. It's really in the last few years, at least they need to be into it. You're either into it or not. Um, so uh, some of the softball guys started and they said, you know, I take softball so seriously that I can't afford to play games with no gloves and risk hurting my hand or um I'm a guitar player, and after the first few games, my hands hurt and can't do it. So it's really just been luck of the draw so far. Um, but the, the guys that are into it stick around without any additional coaxing. Um, you, you catch the bug or you don't. Taylor, remind me how many years uh, Kingston has been a club under your supervision. Uh, two years. We're going into our third season. Okay. okay. So, so, Drew... Oh, go ahead, Matt. I just wanted to add a comment. If you are a guitar player and you're worried about hurting your fingers, you know what? I can understand. I can understand that because music is a beautiful thing, and and it's not just beautiful for you. It's it's wonderful for all of those around you, and uh, I love music. The world loves music, so please, if you feel like it's going to affect your ability to play don't play. But if you take softball too seriously to play vintage baseball, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to stop listening to this show. I need you to turn off. Please hit stop. Please never, please never listen to another episode of this show. I hate you. I don't like you. I don't like your family. I don't like your teachers you had in high school. I think all of the pets wow. you've ever had are stupid. I, Oof. they're all stupid. So, hey, uh, hey, hey, hey. your third hey, favorite hey, color hey, hey. is 
the dumbest color that's ever existed. I don't care about you or your third girlfriend you had. Never, never listen to this again. Back to you, Jeff. I would also like to say that I, too, am a guitar player, but it doesn't keep me off the field. <laughs> well, this is kind of how I, I got the nickname Scooch. The, the, the guitar player was the shortstop, and we were trying to get him back, so we said, all right, I, I played shortstop all year last year. I said, I'll play wherever you need. Go in the outfield. We need your bat. Um, if you're scared of catching line drives, just stand back a little further. Come on, figure it out. Yes, you have so, to relearn how I mean, to play it, baseball. Jeff, take it away. Yeah, yeah, Noel. Now that we've now that the hate has flown through our veins, oh, uh, it feels so good. <laughs> uh, Drew, let me ask you, kind of in uh, connecting to that point there, um, tell me about softball guy. You know, how is that transition? You know, either you know from you transitioning baseball to vintage baseball or softball to vintage baseball. And then watching other people try to transition from softball to vintage baseball, what are their struggles or what are their gifts or how much do you nurture before you're like, you know what, guys got to go? Uh, those are good questions. And I, I would like to clarify that I am not softball guy. Um, I was little league guy uh, for a very long time and no baseball guy for an even longer time until we picked this back up. But seeing the guys that come from a softball background, uh, obviously there's an athleticism there and a knowledge of mechanics of the game and the fundamentals of how your body is supposed to move when you're playing this sport and, you know, how to fulfill a role on a team. Um, there could be some issues with the pacing, maybe. You know, they might be used to something that moves a little faster after fall uh, have served as great as pitchers. We like to typically abide by the 1864 underhand rule set. So, you know, without the windmill windup, some of those guys uh, that come from a softball background can really get it in there. And, um, you know, it's like Taylor was saying, they either, either you're either in or you're out and you find out pretty quick and it's either similar enough but different that the skills can translate or it's just not their bag and thanks for trying have fun at softball i guess the softball guys seem to get under the ball a little more they're 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 trying to hit home runs and a lot of the places we play don't have fences and because we're playing the 1860s rules and can catch it on a bounce um you know they're they're hitting them good they're cranking them and they're all out so it, it takes them getting used to for them to like hit line drives, run the bases. A lot of them too are used to like not stealing, not running yeah. bases. Um, so there's there's a lot more running in what we play than what they're used to in softball. But um, we we've had a lot of luck with with them. There's okay. definitely an adjustment adjustment that has to be made by the big hitters, and they mm-hmm. if they're used to being big hitters, uh, they immediately hate the bound rule. They hate it. And uh, it's a matter of do they quit or do they are they good enough to adjust or are they intrigued by the by the competitiveness of having to adjust uh, that keeps them. But I've definitely seen some 
some big softball hitters that come and play a bound game and say, well, this is, this is dumb. I'll never do anything in this. And, and they don't come back. So that, that is a, that is a, a hurdle. However, uh, it, in, it was a, a round first. So the way that big hitter softball guy plays is dumb. Back to you, Jeff. <laughs> um, yeah, but we I mean, so I guess kind of connecting to that point there is, you know, how do you handle, because you mentioned 64, that is your, your guys' rule set. Okay, so, you know, has there ever been that itch or, you know, that desire to maybe try a 65 or 67, 69, 73, 83? Or how often do you play those games? I know you travel a lot more than some of us here in the Midwest do. Um, what's your experiences outside of 64? We don't have the overhand pitchers generally to compete with the Delaware County crew. Um, they, they've got some, you know, college pitchers. They had a couple minor leaguers. One of their players is a coach on the uh, Israeli Olympic team. Like, they've got players and uh we've got mostly historians and like you know people that that like to have fun play some softball but not like you know very competitive um baseball players so so we usually play like one or two games a year um with 1880s rules overhand but um it's it's extremely difficult it requires a higher caliber of play that frankly um we're not there yet nor do a lot of our guys want to be. It, it takes a lot more practice. It's, it's scarier. Um, you know, maybe someday if, if we pick up some good prospects. But um, last year we tried to say let's just stick to what we know, what is fun, and what we're getting pretty good at, and then we'll try to go from there. And there's no shortness of bound teams on the East Coast. Uh, plenty of bound teams, so you don't you don't run into an issue of playing. One of the complaints of our one of our other co-hosts, Rudy Frias, is as he's the captain of the Columbus, Ohio Capitals, is there a sixty-seven fly team in a state that primarily plays bound? Now, it, things have changed in the last couple of years, and and there there have been more fly teams that have come up, but for most of their uh, existence. Playing fly teams has uh, it's been sc- scarce, and they've had to do a lot more traveling to the state of Michigan that they really wanted to do uh, to 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 maximize that that fly game concept. You guys don't have that issue. Uh, how many different teams would you say you guys are scheduling right now during a season? I think we've got five. Five, five to six, depending on if we go into uh, Connecticut. But now, now we've got another team in the county with us, um, just ten minutes north. So we're we're playing, um, we're playing the Sargadies Vintage team like three times this year at three different locations. So we we're very evenly matched with them. And instead of playing a lot of different teams, because tra- traveling is really hard. And right now we have a squad of like 11 guys which for any single game a number of them can't make it so last game like or last season rather every game we played we played with eight guys 
So there was always at least three that couldn't make it. So um, we're trying to sort of travel less until we get a larger roster of people. Um, but just within, you know, an hour and a half drive, we've got four different teams to play, which is nice. And we've definitely had to get creative with our roster at times. We've had parents, we've had wives, uh, you know, suit up and take the field and fill a position if they need to. So just because we might not have a full team on paper doesn't mean we don't have a, a full field. Fans, we, we, we pulled a guy yeah. out of the fans in, in a game against Colin and the Mac. Um, they, they wanted to do a doubleheader and one of our guys had to leave and we asked the fans, has anyone here played baseball? And this one guy said, I used to play in high school. We're like, well, come play second. You'll love it. And he was good. <laughs> like, yeah. I think yeah, he had a blast. Did, do you know, did he continue to play vintage or was that just a, no, he, he, I he's from New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's like visiting family that weekend or something. Well, there's always vintage baseball near wherever he lives. We got to track. This we told him to look into it. He, <laughs> he he said he was more of a basketball guy, but he, he was athletic. Man, he was making plays out there, making us look bad. <laughs> I mean, that's sometimes that is a, a critical way, like to be able to get that fan. One of the most popular guys on on our team who retired a few years ago uh, was a was a fill in for a team from Akron, Ohio, that came up, and one of their guys had to go home. And you know, here's this guy who's like he's I think he was six seven. Six eight, you know, just a tall, tall guy that played it once, hit really well, and enjoyed it. And we kind of snuck in and be like, "Hey, uh, you know, Dearborn is a lot closer than Akron. Would you like to, you know, be for?" And he was a, a great ambassador for our team. So, I mean, there's no shame. It happens to the best of us. You know, we, it, it would be fantastic if every team had a solid twelve that traveled everywhere at every point. But, you know, life happens. Families happen. Kids happen. Um, you know, stuff. That sort of deal. Softball. So good on you guys for uh, really important you know, softball <laughs> events happen. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. if anybody couldn't make a vintage baseball game for a softball game in their cut immediately, and <laughs> I would exercise my role as co captain and veto that. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about this year with the, the potential recruitment we have. As Taylor mentioned, we've had more interest this year than in the previous two years. And if 20 guys are interested and six of them stick around, uh, then we're already coming out ahead of the game. So uh, It's funny to me, uh, the different, oh boy, every time I bring this up, some knuckleheads get upset, but it's just different on the East coast than it is in the Midwest. Baseball is just, it's this higher up on the pedestal on the East coast as it's still high in the Midwest, but Jeff, do you know what I'm talking about? There just seems to be a higher level of commitment by players on the East coast than there is in the Midwest. And you can't sit here and talk bad about the ones in the Midwest, because like you said, there's families, there's things to do. Your wife is like, Hey, you've done enough with the baseball. We got to go do something with the kids. And all of that makes sense. That's all real. I'm not downplaying it, but why doesn't that happen to the East coast guys? What is, we care far less about our families. (laughs) You know, Drew, Drew, I was actually going, I was going to go in a different direction and ask you guys, 
Is it because the families care more about baseball? I think that that's probably more accurate. Yeah, the the families come to the games, and uh, all all of our wives, girlfriends are friendly, and we have barbecues um, and stuff when we're not playing vintage baseball over the winter. We hang out. Um, we we implemented like a like a bat girl and boy for the game thing, so that like the the kids can be involved. We we try to play catch with the kids before the games, and uh, make it a family friendly thing. You know that's what this is all about. It's it's entertainment at the end of the day, not just for us, but for the people that show up. Um, and yeah, that, that's fascinating. I. Uh, I, I don't know. If why I could throw is. a theory out here, sure. um, um, I, I kind of look at it from a, from a standpoint that I think there is far more travel in, on the East coast than there is in the Midwest. Um, it is not unheard of for, you know, like say the, the Connecticut Bulldogs, for example, you know, Chuck's team uh, out there in Connecticut to, you know, one weekend have a game against, you know, the Providence Grays. Uh, out in Rhode Island and then have a game, you know, a weekend later in Massachusetts and then the next weekend have a, a double header at home in Connecticut, then go to New York, then have something in New Jersey and have something in Philadelphia. Just It feels like there is far more, uh, you know, travel opportunities that necessitates more of a, of a commitment as opposed to us here in, in the Midwest where we've got 15, 20 teams within half an hour. and you know, as a result, there's, you know, there's, there's more there, not saying it's good or bad. Who's is better than the others. I think it's, it is just different. It just feels like a different kind of vibe to it. I, I, like I said, I, I, I watched the Atlantics when they came to, um, to Frankenmuth and they were very much like a congealed group, you know, a true group of families and friends and all that. So I think Taylor, you you have a lot of merit with, with what you say there. And I've seen it, you know, in, in other spots, I, I just think there's, there's far more traveling uh, on the East coast that kind of breeds into the vintage baseball culture of there being, you know, travel is an important part. Amen. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. I'll ask you both the same question. You guys have uh, some time under your belts now a little bit. You've traveled around. Uh, we'll start with Taylor. Give me a place that you enjoy playing the most away games at and tell me the place that you haven't gotten a chance to play at yet on the East Coast that you're looking forward or doesn't have to be on the coast, but within within a reasonable amount of distance that you could see yourself scheduling in the future, uh, a place you haven't been able to go yet. Well, Delhi's got a really special field uh, in in Hamden. They their their field is like one of the oldest, potentially oldest baseball fields on the continent. Um, and when when you drive into the little town of Hamden, there's these cool pennants and banners up um, about vintage baseball, and the the whole city is just really, really bought in to um, to it's called Crawford Field. And be, being able to play a game there uh, was really special. Um, Bovina has a gorgeous field as well. Um, playing them still stings a little bit because they usually win by about 20 
they are very good. Um, but their field is gorgeous. A couple places I'd like to play. Um, it'd be cool to play a game in Cooperstown. I, I know they sometimes have vintage baseball games and it's, it's not far from us at all. And, um, I, I'd love to go to the big Gettysburg tournament. We, we, we've heard about it for the last few years. Um, haven't been invited yet. We've got to build a little more of a, a, a track record as a squad, but, um, I, I'd love to go to that big tournament and, and meet the rest of the teams and, uh, yeah, that would be exciting. Yeah, the bigger the better when you got that many teams uh, involved and you get to uh, meet all the new clubs. It's almost like a networking situation where your schedule looks mm-hmm. a whole lot different yep. the year after you go to one of those big events. And uh, so uh, I know that the Gettysburg people put on a great show, and, and I'm sure that your name will appear in that in the future. Uh, as it's not standard fare every year. Uh, Drew, same questions to you, my friend. Uh, same questions, very similar answers too, I'm afraid. Um, I really do like the uh, like the field out in Fleischmann. I think it's got uh, a nice charm to it. Um, playing against the Mac is always a fun time. Uh, the, I, the favorite place that we have played the game at, and we only played there one time was, I believe that place in Goshen where we played, what was it the, the historical society or the library Taylor? But they had yeah, like yeah. a whole inside setup with multiple rooms with different displays and artifacts and the history of baseball and the County and the state going back to its inception. And we played in the field behind the building, which was basically just a, patch of grass there was trees in the outfield we threw some hay bales down for a backstop and it was great i had a, a wonderful turnout from the town um a beautiful town to drive through uh down in orange county uh playing out in cooperstown would be a, would be a fun time that's the bucket list and uh yeah that gettysburg tournament just just wets my whistle i'd love to take a crack at that if i could plug a game that we have uh, scheduled this year that I'm super excited to play too. Um, we've got a game against Saudi. It's at, it's called the old aerodrome. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's a place in Rhinebeck, New York. It's right across the river from us. And they, they fly vintage planes out of there. They, they do like air shows and they invited us to play a game on the runway. Um, one, uh, it's July 19th. It's actually a Friday. So it'll be a Friday after work and uh, we'll be playing a game like on this vintage airplane runway surrounded by cool vintage planes. So that'll, that'll be a riot. Is that game not uh, on your official schedule that you released? Was that an add on? Uh, that is, that will be on the schedule. We, we haven't officially released our 24 schedule yet, um, but that's, that game's confirmed. Oh, I, I must've looked at the 23, the 23 schedule. I apologize. Yeah, stay tuned. That, I'm, I'm glad they actually reached out to us too. Um, that, that's another good thing that's happened this year. More places are reaching out to us to play games at their sites instead of like soliciting uh, this idea to people. Well, uh, that only means better things in the future for your club. I would, uh, I would recommend. Although you don't like playing the overhand fast pitch thing, you guys did say that you you try to get in one a year just for the experience. I would keep doing that. 
I would take your lumps, take your losses, and uh, but still keep doing that because you're going to grow and you're going to come across some some skilled players that are really going to gravitate to that, and you haven't yet, and you will. And uh, to know that you have that in your back pocket for them to keep them interested, uh, you know, that'll only help. So plus playing different rules and everything, that's fun. I guess it might not be fun if you're always losing, but I don't know. Well, well hold on, Matt. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, though, we, there's definitely been times when, you know, we've kind of had to come to a compromise before the game on what rule set we're going to play. Are we Are going to play the 1860s? Are we going to play the fast pitch overhand? And usually we'll split the difference, and sometimes we'll do seven and seven, where we'll play a seven-inning match of underhand, and then we'll take a little break. We'll explain why we're about to switch the rules up. We'll explain what the differences between the decades are. And then we'll do another, you know, seven or eight or however long it goes until it's an absolute shellacking uh, to sort of give people a sense of the evolution of the game, satisfy both teams itch to play the game they want to play, and, you know, kind of give everybody a little bit of their cake to eat. Yeah, I mean, they to, to go to the, to the point, yeah, I mean, you know, but whoopings happen sometimes, unfortunately, yeah. but... Um, it was a great book by Peter Morris called Baseball Fever. And, and in it, there's a chapter literally called The Patience of Hope. And it was this idea that new teams would get their butts handed to them for a few years. But progressively, they would get better. And what we found for our team that restarted in 93, 92, 93 or so, is that, you know, we took some lumps as well from some of the more established teams in Ohio and as we did that, we had visitors that would come watch our games, and a few of them said, "I can do it better than that guy." <laughs> they know, like, I can play better than that guy. Jeez! And they reached out. Some of the the older generation, or the ones that were not really their hearts were in it, left. And some of those guys that said, "I can do it better," have been doing it better, you know, ever since then. So sometimes there, there is value in the butt whoopings. Yeah, our, our first year, I'll never forget our very first game. We played Bovina, and uh, Nick, the captain, came up before the game, and he said, hey, no offense, you're not going to win a single game this year. This is <laughs> this is how it goes. This is your first year of vintage baseball. Don't expect to win a single game. And sure enough, we didn't. We got beat every game. And last year was the Saugerties vintage baseball team's first year. Um, so we had to make sure that they didn't win a game because it seems to be tradition that, First year, you can't win a game. Uh, being told anything by Nick from Bovina has got to be kind of scary. That's a large person. Uh, intim- intimidating. Their whole team. When, when they got out of the car, we were like, oh, my God. Okay, here we go. A farm strength, man. You can't compete with it unless you've been training for a while. So, uh, uh, Taylor and Drew, we're going to give you guys a couple of minutes to take a break. Uh, we're going to do our, our news break with Jonathan Macklin, uh, McLean, after uh, Jeff is obviously scoring <laughs> cartwheels right now, uh, wrongly, probably. And, uh, well, we've established to the top that the scoring method's appalling. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's brutal. And uh, she, was, she was informing me uh, that she was at a, her school fundraiser at a roller skating party, and she won fastest skater in her age group. So you all 
Ked just shot hey, your damn mouth. Uh, we haven't been talking about <laughs> roller skating, but did she shoot the duck? Did she shoot the duck, Jeff? <laughs> no, no, she did not shoot the duck. Bad scores once again. Uh, so Jeff's uh, getting Jonathan ready for this news break. I did want to throw out there that the gentlemen, uh, Taylor and Drew, have brought up uh, some people and some clubs that we have interviewed here on, on the show. So if you're listening to this episode because you're involved with the Kingston Guards or affiliated with them or you like them or whatever, uh, Sauger T's have been on the show. Colin Miller's been in multiple episodes. Uh, Nick Franson from Bovina has been on an episode. Uh, if you go back in the archives, we have a lot of East Coast people, as well as Midwest, as well as West, as well as uh, South. We've done Florida. We've done everywhere. I'm still trying to get that club from Canada, Jeff. What? I can't get a hold of the damn club from Canada. What is it? They won't even say no. I just can't get a hold of them. Uh, the actives are a fun bunch. They used to bring beer to our games because one of the guys worked at Molson. So if back, anybody, back when bringing beer to a game was a novelty as opposed to the standard. So if anybody out there can get the actives to come on this show for an episode, we will then in turn interview anybody you want. If you can get the actives on the show for an episode, we will then interview anybody you want to be on the show for an hour. That's a good trade right there. It's the only trade I got. That's all I got. I don't have things. Okay, here we go. Uh, sports break. Jonathan McLean, take it away. This is your Roller Up the Barrel News Break for Tuesday, June 6, 1865. I'm Jonathan McLean. Dateline, Hoboken, New Jersey. One of the best contested and most interesting games was played on the Elysian Fields today between the Gotham Baseball Club of New York and the Enterprise Baseball Club of Brooklyn. This was a game so good that it took 13 innings to determine a winner. I've watched 60 minutes, and I'm saying they're motivated. The Gothams may have been confident of victory, but it was the Enterprise 9 who jumped out to an 11-3 lead after three full innings. Realizing they must play harder to secure the ball, the Gotham squad fought back, rallying from a five-run deficit in the ninth inning and then holding the Enterprises scoreless to force extra innings. The teams were tied at 17 after nine full innings, and there it remained until the 13th when the Brooklyns put one across, but the Gothams secured the day with two to take the win by a final score of 19-18. to Mr. McGraw had a rough game for the Gothams with no runs scored and eight outs made. The Enterprise, the Enterprise Club had a strong balance of production with every member of their team scoring between one and three runs. They are looking forward to the return game at Bedford, Long Island. Reporters could not recall a finer game ever played as the pitching and catching was on alert and the outfielders did not display any muffinism. Colonel Fitzgerald of the Athletic Baseball Club of Philadelphia served as umpire and was commended for his prompt, sound, and impartial judgments. Today's news break is brought to you by Brown's Castilian Bitters. Would you like to be free of dyspepsia, acidity, indigestion, headache, constipation, seasickness, fever, malaria? Try Brown's Castilian Bitters, making sure to keep up with God's most noblest work, 
the woman. I'm Jonathan McLean, and this has been your Roller Out the Barrel News Break. Malaria! <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to get you just say malaria like that and just use it as a drop in the future. Malaria! <laughs> I like that audio. <laughs> it's going to in the happen. intro. Uh, gents, <laughs> once again, I want to thank you for being on the show. We're not ready to let you out of here just yet, but I just, uh, I just want to make sure I get that in there because I am not a professional. Hey, you guys have only been doing this a couple of years, but I'd like to hear about any injuries you guys have had to suffer through. Let's start with Taylor. Have you been hurt on the field oh, yet? Oh, boy. Not officially. Uh, <laughs> no, I, some, some, something happened to the hand last year, but it was fine. We Our, our first year, we had a guy uh, trip on his way to second base and broke his collarbone. And then our third baseman broke a finger. Um, but I think that's that's really it. Um, the uh, the gentleman who broke his collarbone had to sit out last year, but he said he's back in this year. So that's good to hear. We, we got another player joining us again. Um, Dutch, Dutch has had a little more scrapes and bruises than I have. Uh, he, he can probably answer it better than I can. Well, uh we mentioned our first game we played against Bovina and uh, I happened to be playing that game with four broken ribs at the time. So that was not necessarily a baseball related injury, but it certainly made facing them on the field a lot harder than it should have been. Um, I've gotten brained in the head with the ball, trying to steal third, successfully stealing third, um, taking a couple spills in the outfield. You know, I'm, I'm more than willing to, throw myself on the ground if it means catching the ball. Uh, but thankfully, nothing lasting and nothing that uh, some Advil, some Arnica, and a hot soap didn't fix a couple of days later. We got a great picture of Dutch after he took one to the chin, and you could actually see the vintage stitching. Oh, I forgot about that even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that I, was great. I learned, I learned why you don't catch the ball like this. I'm making a gesture with my hands, which is really great for an audio medium. But, uh, you know. Keep, keep your hands under the ball, uh, players. Uh, otherwise, it'll slip through your fingers and knock your teeth out almost. Uh, I was actually present in a game in Saginaw uh, where a gentleman, I don't know if I should say his name. Anyway, he got hit in the face with the ball, and uh, the threads did show up on his face. Uh, he was actually knocked out for, I want to say, 10 seconds. <laughs> and... Uh, and came to, and there were the threads, and uh, that was weird. That was wacky. Uh, so part you, of the game. Do you still yeah. have? Mm-hmm. Do you still have a scar of threads on your face, Drew? Oh no, that's too bad. No, I don't. That's that. I, I I didn't grow the beard to hide the scar. I just uh, it's winter time in New York, and <laughs> chicks, practically a necessity. Chicks dig scars. Uh, Jeff, before we give these guys the old pepper, do you have another question you want to give them? Um, I guess I just kind of wanted to build on uh, the – actually, no, I, I do want to talk about the, the community aspect. Um, as somebody who has done uh, community games as well, um, tell us about, you know, what is it like trying to do, you know, games at 
events that are not specifically baseball related? Like, do you have you run into that yet? You know, and what is the reception? Because I, I got a great story from the first time I ever did that. But what is your takes from those? We haven't had a game like, like that yet. We, we're trying to schedule a game at the Ulster County Fair this year to, to get that experience. Um, we, we're really trying to tie ourselves into more community events that are going on. Um, we're, we're fortunate that our home field is right next to a, it's called the, the Catskill Mountain Railroad. It's a vintage train from the same era that we play. And so there's, there's always people on the train that show up to take this vintage train and they get to see a vintage baseball game from the same era. And we have the cool like train horn. So it's a, it's a good group of history people, but to your question specifically, we we haven't had that opportunity yet. Do you, do you find it hard as like, as, as history guys, you know, you've said multiple times that, you know, you're a very history first group. Do you find it hard to face teams that either don't have that kind of history influence or maybe they're the guys that are wearing the smart watches in addition to their vintage baseball uniform. Is there a little part of you that dies every time you, you see that or face that, or is it not a, uh, not a common thing? It's really hard to eliminate all anachronisms from what we're doing, especially in the era that we live in where like social media matters so much and like growing the, the brand. Uh, so in, we, we don't have guys that have smartwatches and stuff, but we, we do like let players yeah. that wear glasses wear their glasses. Um, I'm fine with it. So I, I do other types of reenacting, like uh, Rev War reenacting is really big in our, in our area. And it's par for the course. We, we kind of, uh, in reenacting in general, treat any anachronism as a learning experience. So, uh, like, even our uniforms are not accurate to the era that we play necessarily. Um, our, our uniforms are really, like, 20 years too late. Um, but it's a cool chance for us to, like, tell the, the fans that show up uh, when we're chatting with them, like, why this isn't accurate. And, and it, you know, if we were really wearing 1860s era uniforms, they, they wouldn't have the... the, the, the stitching up here and, and so on for people more um well, uh, so we, we did get a stern talking to and i won't say from who but uh let's just say it's somebody that we've talked about on this podcast so far uh we definitely got lectured on not drinking out of mason jars and milk bottles uh the, the, the gatorades on the bench were uh, a bit of a trigger for some but uh we kind of We'd like to toe the line and split the difference a little bit, like Taylor was saying. You know, you got to show up with a bag, and if your bag says Adidas on it, then hide it. Hi, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tuck, it, tuck it behind a tree. Well, at least there's effort being made. That's all I'll say. We're, we're trying. We we, we find yeah. it especially hard with, with the shoes. Um, it's it's really hard to find. Yeah, vintage cleats. Um, and, and so on. So we, yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure that out. Um, we basically just make, make guys paint their shoes <laughs> to a solid color, uh, to, that, to give the, that's the all we do over here. That's all it is. Brian is, black. A, is a, yeah. is black. Brian shoes. Brown. We actually, 
Jeff, I, I want to hear what happened with you, though. You said you had yeah. a story about uh Yeah. We were playing uh, in Ypsilanti, which is the city just outside of Ann Arbor where the University of Michigan is. And we were playing at their annual festival, and we were on a very strict time crunch. And then we got told about 15 minutes early that we were getting cut because we got bumped for a dog show. Like a dog stunt show or like a Westminster Pranson type of thing? Like, like, a, like, like a Westminster kind of thing. Not you know, not one not, of like the cool, not like the Border Collies or the Aussies that are doing agility. Like, no, no, no. We got bumped for like parading poodles around, not, you know, what, what what was second base became where the, uh, you know, where the Havanese got taken around. So. <laughs> Jeff, Brutal. we've never we've never talked about that. The last year I did the Michigan Vintage Baseball Festival in Frankenmuth, we had a bunch of stage presentations and all kinds of stuff all set up in the uh, kind of like the communal area of the River Play shopping area next to where we were playing, and we got bumped for a dog show. Uh, all mm-hmm. my all my presentations went away, and even the ALS. Uh, tent that was there to raise money for ALS got bumped for dogs. It was great. Mm-hmm. Never went back. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, I think we may have had a dog run out on the field once or twice, but that's never done. Uh, it's never stopped the whole show. No. Uh, you haven't lived just, so you got bumped by a dog. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It, but, it makes you. You know uh, you're on your way to making it when your dog shows are bumping you. <laughs> you actually know that you've passed making it and you're on your downward spiral when the dogs start. Uh, it's the a comeback s- tour is not coming back. It's a sign. It's a sign of, well, you are all right. Okay. Jeff, are you ready? I'm going to give questions to Taylor. You're going to give questions to Drew in the old. I'm ready. Old oh, yeah. Pepper. You are ready. I will start with Taylor. I'm here we go. Short answers, guys. We'll circle back around if we if we uh, find something that we have to talk more about. Taylor, who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Mankind. Or Mick Foley. Yeah, okay. We got to circle back to that one. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> now Jeff, you're going to hit Drew with one. Drew. Right. Uh, Drew, what is the best card-based game card-based game regular deck or like magic the gathering oh boy anything that has cards you're losing points that has cards <laughs> um hold them actually hold them taylor on a scale of one to ten you were taught algebra in high school how have you used it in your life since high school school scale of one to ten uh, weirdly, nine. Oh. We can circle back to that, too, if you want an explanation. <laughs> uh, do I want to circle back to, to Algebra or Magic the Gathering? This is a tough choice. Let's keep going. <laughs> Drew, what's the first thing you do after a baseball game that you played in? Drink a beer if I can. Taylor, what's the last Halloween oh, costume you wore? Uh, Jack from Titanic. Is this a true story? Yep. 
We're definitely that's definitely coming back. Well, skip. I think we're going to have a part two of this podcast s- to unpack Taylor's answer. Skip algebra. We're coming. Are, back are we talking? No, Jeff. Are we talking? No, third Jeff. Class, Jeff. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> uh, Drew, uh, non-baseball trophy that you wish you could win. Bowling. No hesitation. Uh, Taylor, what's your drink of choice for St. Patty's Day? Ooh, boy. Reluctantly Guinness. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. Drew, you're, you're leaving tomorrow. What country that you've never been to or you headed to? Japan. Taylor, what's your favorite oh, spice? Man. Girl. Uh, oregano. (laughs) 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 All right. Curveball. No, we'll we'll go with oregano. (laughs) Oregano. Uh, Drew. There's a difference. Drew. uh, The National Pizza Council is meeting. What topping are you telling them they must eliminate? Ricotta cheese. Taylor, construct your favorite sandwich. Ooh. Oh. This is a tough one. Real tough one. Um, grilled cheese. Does that count? Oof. Jeff, you're up. Specify, <laughs> specify the cheese and we'll take it. It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Cheddar. I'm not a big sandwich guy. Have have faith in your answers, my friend. <laughs> I'm not a sandwich guy. Who's not a sandwich guy? <laughs> uh, Drew, animal that isn't a normal pet, but you would have one if it was. Fox. Well, he's really, he's really going after these. Uh, Taylor, bark like a dog. Go ahead. Bark. Come on. That was it. Um, neg- <laughs> negative points on that one, too. Boy, you're oh, I'm gonna, sorry. Arf. You're gonna... <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the dog show we got both bumped from sounded just like that. Arf or what roof? What? Can, I, the, can, the I, can I ask, was getting bumped by a dog show really rough? <laughs> oh. Uh, Mute him. I'm kicked off the podcast. No, no, I think, I think I love you in a man-to-man kind of way. I think we. You just know what? Be- I think we can. I think we can be bros. Dude. I think we just became best friends. We should do karate in the garage or something. <laughs> we'll, we'll jam on some rush later. True. Uh, uh, conspiracy theory that you either think is real or wish was real. Does MKUltra count? That's totally real. <laughs> Go for it. Taylor, name a prize you've gotten in a box of Cracker Jacks. Like a temporary tattoo? Of, you- like the Cracker Jack logo. Okay. Jeff. Uh, Drew, what was the first baseball hat you remember wearing? 
Probably Detroit Tigers. My man. Uh, last question, Taylor. Elevator or escalator? Escalator. <laughs> you had more faith in that one than the grilled cheese answer. <laughs> That's the easier question. <laughs> <laughs> they can right. never break. They can just become <laughs> stairs. Exactly. You kill a carrion. All right, Drew, last one. Uh, living or dead? What famous dead. person... living or dead what famous person uh would you want to go to a party with uh i'm going to keep it baseball related i'm going to say rube waddell wow i'm mm -hmm. okay uh jeff you're going to circle back around and, and talk to Drew about one of his answers, but we know where I'm circling back around to to talk to Taylor. <laughs> There's no, if you listen to the show, everybody knows where I'm going back to. Is it the Titanic one? Because I want to go back to the Titanic. We are going back to the Titanic the one. I think it's, uh, I was going to say, was it no, the wrestling one? Because I want to go back to the Titanic. It's okay. not. It's we're going back to the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, tell us about your costume and how it was received. Oh man. Um, it was received well. My, my wife, I mean, I'm a big Titanic fan too. It's a great, great film, great story, great historic here, moment. Here. Uh, here, we here. were, we were Jack and Rose post being frozen. Uh, so we, we had these icicles hanging off us and stuff. And, uh, we basically had the clothes already. So we just needed like to look like we were frozen. So it was a, it was a pretty easy and easy lift for us but it, it was received well people surprisingly knew who we were immediately and it was a good time Ta soon. taylor you ever play a drinking game of every time you hear the name jack or rose you have to take a drink i <laughs> not yet during the movie don't do it uh please for the sake of sanity for humanity the movie <laughs> Don't do it. You you froze Taylor. Especially like right Jack. at the end oh, where there's... she's like trying to get him to wake up when he's you know been Jack sitting in the Jack. I... They say each other's yeah, like, names but, constantly during the minutes. whole movie. Jack. I love the movie. Jack. I love the movie. I hate how many times they say each other's names. It's brutal. Uh Jeff, what did you want to circle back around with with Drew? I mean, no, I, I love all his answers. I I wouldn't, I don't think I would change anything. There were several, I got several, my man, he got several, my mans out of me. Hey. Uh, and so you do that and you, you've got a, you got, it was, I was a little, little rough skating with magic, the gathering. It was, a, slow that was start. a clarifying question. It was a slow that was start. A clarifying question. <laughs> that's fine. No, 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 no. Man, I'm not here to talk about my green beat down deck. I just wanted to know what kind of cards you were talking about. <laughs> Well, after that slow start, yes, Drew, I believe we can declare you the winner as Taylor lost me at grilled cheese. So, oh. uh, <laughs> we want to... I'm the new captain. They're so good. But you didn't construct it, Taylor. It's the you day after Thanksgiving it. leftover sandwich. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having us. This uh, yeah, this was a blast. Thank you. Yeah, 
this crazy love little to talk to you guys again. thing we do. Uh, we look forward to your schedule that's going to be released as opposed to somebody who would look up last year's schedule. Pfft, amateur. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, Stay tuned. Sounds like you guys have the passion. Uh, and Drew, you're my new best friend, so I, I, I obviously will be keeping track of your season. Uh, to yeah, make sure, we'll be in touch, Barrel Roller. Make sure everything goes okay. And uh, I can't wait for baseball, man. You guys are probably itching. Jeff, you're itching. I I don't even play anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just back here behind this computer. <sighs> Sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, we got a we got a, we got a Detroit Tigers ass beaten already. So, uh, you know, we're, we feel like our season's in full swing. Um, these games don't count, Jeff. Oh yeah, we just burned burned the stats. Uh, the Tigers are going to be the wild card team this year. I don't know if you've been aware of this. They're going to do much better than the Yankees. Are you guys Yankees fans or Mets fans? Yankees. Yeah, sorry. I have a complicated relationship with both of those teams. Mm. Hey, Zach Zach Short is from uh, Kingston. Oh yeah. I know hey! he's not a Tiger anymore, but he was our guy. The Zach Short. All right, Kingston High School grad. If it doesn't make it in the, the pros, we're going to try to get him on the guard. <laughs> <laughs> he was born there, but is he coming back there? Does he live there right now? This place has a weird way of magnetically drawing people back to it after a certain amount of time. This yeah, whole he got picked- Valley is a vortex of... <laughs> he got picked up by the Mets. He's back. Just like He's Titanic, home. we're going back. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, let me see. I'm going to stop recording on the video. You're out. And then. Uh, recording stopped. Then just going to wish you guys a good night. And thanks for coming on. And I'll send you some links and, and please share and all that stuff. And right now what I'm going to do is I'm just going to start talking angelfish uh, until you guys leave. <laughs> mm. uh, thanks for having us, guys. This was a lot of fun. Angelfish yeah, are sensitive to drastic changes in Good water time. temperature and quality. <laughs> so acclimation All is right, I'm leaving. I don't need to learn any more about aquarium introduction. There are a few ways this can mm. be done, and both involve Ooh. slowly acclimating the new fish to the tank water by temporarily holding them in a container and adding tank water. This can be done it's directly in the plastic bags the fish are brought home oh, yeah. shipped That's in or in a bucket. Now listen, here are the steps. You I float, want to hear about this. You float the bags. I think it's reaching a whole new market here. This is like ASMR. 15 minutes yeah. into the tank that will be used as a quarantine tank to ensure the fish right, inside leaving. the bag Goodbye. are adjusting to the water temperature. This tank should be nope. void of any Can't other be fish more than 15. and be large <laughs> enough to accommodate your new fish. Step two, so test large. the pH of both the bag water and the tank water. The greater the difference mm-hmm. in pH the slower the water acclimation. According to mm-hmm. most experts, the ideal water pH for an angelfish is between 6.0 and 7.5. When there is a greater than 0.4 difference in pH between the bag and tank water, sensitive fish are more likely to suffer and potentially die from the change. If there is less make than 0.4 difference, the fish can be netted out and placed into the quarantine tank. When the difference is greater than 0.4, continue with the water acclimation process below. Step 3. 
Begin water acclimation by transferring about a half a cup of tank water every 15 to 30 minutes into the fish bag. Once the bag fills, carefully remove about 75% of the water and continue fish the acclimation my process. Baseball nickname. Acclimation can take anywhere <laughs> from a few hours to an entire day, depending <laughs> on how much of your change your fish will need to adapt to. Once your fish are not visibly pumping their gills or showing other signs of distress, you'll know the acclimation mm. process is complete and you can net out the fish and place them into the quarantine tank. Step four, uh, it can take time for disease to become apparent. So we recommend for a minimum of four to six weeks. It has been my experience that disease crops up between three and five weeks. And I don't want to expose my existing fish to a disease when I can easily avoid it. The end. Mm -hmm. Good night, everybody. Did you know that their body shape allows them to hide among the roots? You think you're better than me, Drew? You think you're no, better? No, I just. <laughs> I wanted to contribute to a conversation with a friend. <laughs> Thanks a lot for having me, guys. It was All a right. real pleasure. Good night. Thanks, Drew. All right.